The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. to be inspired, informed, motivated, and recharged on radio's favorite power hour, Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with your hosts, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Every day is a stellar day on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Let's get this party started. Cynthia will be back to kick it all off after this break. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Did you know that teens with low self-esteem who feel they don't fit in are more vulnerable to peer pressure, more likely to have depressive reactions, eating disorders, higher rates of alcohol and drug abuse, criminal involvement, suicide attempts, and be involved with risky behaviors? You can help make a difference by sponsoring this radio program, Be The Star You Are. Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, positive media, and donates positive books to increase literacy. Call 877-944-STAR, S-T-A-R. For more information or visit our website at bethestarur.org. Also, you can make a PayPal donation at www.bethestarur.org. Thank you for helping our youth succeed. Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature Star Style consultations. With personalized sessions by phone or in person, you'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7827. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com CynthiaBryan.com. You can be the star you are. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll-free at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to info at bethestarur.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you are. 
Well, what a delight to be able to be with you live here on Star Style, Be The Star You Are for the next hour. Welcome to our program showcasing authors and experts. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And the program is brought to the airwaves under the auspices of Be The Star You Are charity, where we believe to be a leader, you must be a reader. Today's show features John Shores, the critically acclaimed author of Beneath a Marble Sky and Beside a Burning Sea, with his newest book, Dragon House, which is an unforgettable story of redemption set in modern-day Vietnam, as well as the pop culture phenomena award-winning teacher and author, SMA Raji Caudal, with her expanded edition of Educating SMA, a diary of a teacher's first year. But first, Heather and I want to help you prevent sexual violence in our Tea for Two, a mother-daughter brew segment. California has had no shortage of notorious criminals over the many years, emphasizing the weaknesses in our legal system and law enforcement. And many of these crimes were the instigation for the 1982 passing of the Victims' Bill of Rights initiative, which included some major sentences and procedural reforms. But then in 1993, 12-year-old Polly Class was kidnapped from her home, raped and killed by habitual criminal Richard Allen Davis, which led to the three strikes and you're out a law. But what happened recently with the arrest of the convicted sex offender Philip Craig Garrido. He kidnapped J.C. Dugard, an 11-year-old girl who was waiting for a school bus and held her captive for the past 18 years as his sex slave. is almost beyond belief. How did it happen? How could the authorities not know about it? And what can we do to protect ourselves and our children against against such, such monsters is what Heather and I want to discuss today. So, Heather... In the research that you always do <laughs> segment, what does it take to rein in these sexual predators? I know. Just break down the word. Sexual predator. Think about it to that animal nature of predator and prey, that these people are being predatory, that they are preying on people, and especially young children. Uh, with the rise in child pornography, Internet predators, and the development of um, instigations of all these new laws and, and child abuse laws and exploitation, this is at the forefront of our media today. And so many popular news programs, um, such as NBC has a show, To Catch a Predator, this really brought this up to the forefront. And I don't know if you've ever seen this show before, but they go online. There's a group of uh, watchdogs, they're called. These people, they're adults. A lot of them are police officers. But they go into chat rooms. They set things up pretending to be younger children. Um, and these are people Then they plan, hey, my parents will be gone. Come to my house. They meet there. They catch this whole thing on camera. Yeah, it's it's. Ridiculous, and the problem that uh, that's affecting is it's not just with children. And according, and according to the Center of uh, Sex Offender Management, thirty percent of adult sex offenders were sexually abused as children themselves. And if we can do each of our part to break the cycle, we can prevent um, possibly you know children who are being exploited, possibly from stopping them from becoming um, sexual exploiters themselves. And well, and isn't, some, you know, some of the statistics on this, too, is yeah. the majority of these predators are white males who are, actually, who are married. 
And very often their families have no idea about it. I mean, in this case that we're talking about, that the whole world is talking about right now with this, uh, you know, this 11-year-old who has been held captive for most, you know, 18 years um, as his sex slave and bore two children, is um, she was living in tents and nobody even knew about it, even though this guy was, uh, he, were, he had to report regularly as a, a sexual predator. Yeah, you know, it's, it's some kind of disgusting and sad statistics I found that less than 30% of sex crimes uh, are reported. I know, especially for me, working in a women's health clinic, um, we see a lot of women that come in, or, you know, we have such comprehensive uh, histories now that we're surfacing a lot of stuff that people admit to, you know, they may be in their 20s or 30s now, and when we ask kind of tough questions and they admit that, you know, I was raped. I was things that happened 15, 20 years ago, but they never sought out anything from it. Well, and again, probably because if they were children, for some reason, they were led to believe that it was their fault that they invited it, that they were the dirty ones. Yeah, and and something interesting regarding um, children, a male, a male, you know, viewing at ages when when children are most likely to be sexually assaulted. It's different for boys and girls. A male is more like is at the peak age uh, for sexual assaultment at age four, while a girl is more at risk at age fourteen. And that oh, is that's just, interesting. Why is why what is that? Why is what's that about? I don't know if you know it's girls uh, maturing faster than boys or impressionable children, but just and now this is just based on statistics they've found. So that just means there's more where the heaviest number of report, and again, this could be different by 30%, uh, or actually by 70%, because only 30% of these crimes are being being reported. uh, reported. Well, in this case of Philip Garrido, I mean, to me, he is an absolute monster, and I make no bones about it. I have no empathy for these people. I don't feel that they can be reformed. I want them castrated and hung by their private parts. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, they can have the death penalty. Anyone who abuses children or uh, rapes women like this, as far as I, I, have n- I have no compassion for them, and I'll go on record as that, and I do believe in the death penalty. I, I don't want to support these guys. But I think what was so horrific here, too, is that his wife... Of many, many years, she was a partner in crime with him. In and fact, that, he that would drive brothers. around and say, I want that pretty one. And she would help him, you know, and, and get that these, is, these just young girls. An, an all-new level of, of disgust. And, I mean, it's, it's just so funny that this is what a wife would do. But something you touched on, of, you know, when we talked about it not being reported and also with children, how sometimes children think, you know, things are bad. I just wanted to give out some couple tips of, you know, how to keep your child from either being adopted or Great idea. Do that. Um, from sexual things. And something, you know, that's, that's sad, too, is that 80 to 90% of sex offenders, they know they're assaulted, that this is happening within family. You know, that's why you see so many families or neighbors, that these people know these things. So one thing is trust your instinct. If you're a parent... And you see that, you know, it's great for your child to have um, good relationships with other adults, you know, whether it's family members. But just be, you know, trust your instinct if things just seem, you know, maybe a little too friendly. If an adult spends way too much time with your child and, uh, you know, in an isolated situation, or if the child starts withdrawing from their friends or other adults, 
Um, or sometimes if this child is getting unexplained gifts and sometimes inappropriate gifts, uh, from an adult that, you know, maybe a trusted adult. Or so, just trust your instincts. Another thing is teach your children that some secrets are bad to keep. You know, we always want to say, you know, honesty is the best policy. And, you know, if someone tells you a secret and don't tell, you know, tells you that you not to tell, don't tell them. Well, be open with your kids. Explain communication and let them know, you know, Talk about, we always talk about the, the infamous sex talk with your kids and how to use age-appropriate and correct information. We'll also talk to them about the inappropriate things that could be going on. And, that you know, if someone ever touches you like this, you know, this is not a good thing. If they tell you, you know, that not to tell, tell me, let them know that, you know, they're not going to get in trouble if you tell them because... Big, big warning sign. There's exactly. never our little secret. And tell, you know, and, and another thing, teach your kids that saying no is okay. As a, as a parent, you know, that's the infamous words you hate hearing from your kids. No, 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 no. Well, let them know in certain circumstances such as that, no is the only answer. You know, no, don't get in the car with a stranger. No, don't let someone touch you. All those things, let them know. And then also play, play uh, the what-if scenarios with your kids to make sure they do know these things. Say, what if uh, I wasn't going to pick you up one day and someone came to school and said they know me? You know, things like that. Play those games with you and see what they say because it might surprise you if they say, oh, well, if they said you were, they were your friend, I'd get in the car with them. Teach your children no. You know, as when we were growing up, we had a password. And we don't had to say the password because I still use it. Exactly. If you weren't going to be able to pick us up, um, and, and this is back in the day before cell phones, so we wouldn't be able to call. You know, and if, uh, if we didn't have a babysitter or something at the time, if you were sending someone else to pick us up and we didn't know that, you were to tell them our secret password. And that way, if they can't, you know, and this was some weird, you know, it wasn't a pet's name or a birthday. It, it wasn't was anything that anybody crazy, could get. weird, you know, and that's what you have to choose, something that no one would ever guess. That's why you don't, you know, just like when you're creating passwords uh, for, you know, your, your email, don't use things that someone, if they, if they knew you or could break things down, could figure it out. You know, choose a random animal and numbers and glitter and something very odd that almost could sound embarrassing for someone to say. But if they know this, then you know that it's a safe thing um, for them to have. Also, talk to your kid about the Internet. In today's day and age, especially with these talk, these chat rooms, Kids go in, predators pretend that they're other children or that they're a trusting adult. That, you know, there's all kinds of, just as there's all kinds of uh, accessibility for kids today, there's all kinds of programs that have child locks and child breaks on things. So that it's really to help protect your child so that they don't have access to this, um, to different chat rooms and they can't put themselves out there so that predators can't put themselves out there. Teach them to use the buddy system. Also, in today's day and age where they have cell phones, make sure they have a, you know, a, cell, a way for them to always be in contact with you. And, you know, have a set agenda. You know, if you're going to go, if you're not going to go to Sally's house, tell me where you're going. Um, you know, things like that. It just takes, you know, a split second for a child to be kidnapped. Uh, for someone to be taken advantage of, and as we saw in this case in Northern California, where this girl was stolen for 18 years, put in, you know, that completely as brainwashed her, as her stepfather watched her be stolen, and he couldn't get to her because she, she was taken from the bus stop. So it had to be just horrific. 
Exactly. So it's, you know, just always keep an eye on your child. Too. And then even for adults, keep your eye on yourself. You see things all the time of adult women, you know, and this isn't to say to men and boys not to be protective too, but statistically, as women are older, it's more cases of women being infected. Uh, you see less, it's more chances of a boy at young ages being abducted and sexually abused, and, but when more women get older is when they end up getting raped and murdered. And I would finally say, too, is if, uh, if in the most unfathomable fathomable idea that something did happen and you were abducted, is do not believe the abductor that uh, your family will be killed or whatever if you uh, try to make contact. I really think that you really have to tr- do whatever you can to get away or make some kind of contact or try to get help if there's at all that possibility. Will you give out some websites? Most definitely. Go to bethestarur.com, myspace.com forward slash Carmony Clutches. Uh, you can check out the website, the clutches, the books, and this great radio program and help donate to Be The Star You Are. Well, great segment, Heather. We really want to protect our children as, as well as get rid of these uh, sexual predators out there. So the more information information is power. When we return from break, we're going to meet Superstar of Education and Forward Magazine's Memoir of the Year winner, author SMA Codell with Educating SMA. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. And this is Star Style. Be the star you are and we'll be back in a bit. Stay with us. World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Apathy, violence, and negative messages are everyday occurrences in our country. You can be a change maker when you dare to care by supporting Be the Star You Are Charity, a 501c3 that empowers women, families, and youth through improved literacy, positive media, and tools for living. Visit www.bethestarur.org to find out how you can make a difference in our world. Everyone counts. That web address again is www.bethestarur.org. Bethestarur.org. Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star-style consultations with personalized sessions by phone or in person. You'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7827. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com. CynthiaBryan.com. You can be the star you are. 
Are you wondering how to jumpstart your life while bringing more excitement and joy into every moment? Join the Goddess Gals, the mother-daughter dynamic duo, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany, each week on radio's favorite power hour, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. You'll hear from the experts and authors that inspire and motivate you to be your greatest, unique self. Plus, in Tea for Two, a mother-daughter brew, Cynthia and Heather tackle the topics and tips that make a difference. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on World Talk Radio, Studio A. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll-free at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to info at bethestaryouare.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you are. Gratitude to all our devoted listeners around the globe. We appreciate you staying tuned to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, where the world does come to talk and listen. And every week, Be the Star You Are showcases awesome authors, creative thinkers, and exceptional experts who enhance, educate, motivate, and instigate positive change in the world and beyond. And as a 501c3 charity, Be the Star You Are is dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth through improved literacy, increased positive media, and tools for living. And it's our hope that this radio program meets those expectations because to be a leader, you must be a reader. As we say around here, read, lead, and succeed. Well, at the age of 24, SMA Codell became a teacher, battling bureaucracy and inept school principal and government regulations. She documented her highly successful yet unconventional teaching style in her award-winning book, Educating SMA. You newly released with additional material, which all teachers, in fact, all people can use. Educating SMA is a educational, fun, and flamboyant book. As much as it is was in 1999. Welcome, Madame SMA, to Star Style. Be the star you are. Oh, Cynthia, I'm so excited to be on your wonderful show. Well, thank you. I am so excited to have you. I loved your book. I love the way that you teach, that you love being a librarian. I just, I love everything about the way you bucked the system and you cared about the kids. So let's talk about what it was like for you in your first year and then what has happened in the ensuing years uh, because, I mean, people actually listened to your way of reaching the children because you really knew how to teach them. Yes, I was, I was really fortunate to have a, a very successful experience as a first-year teacher in the Chicago public schools. And I think a lot of people, when they think of teaching in the inner city, maybe it gives them a little bit of pause. But I, I was a product of the Chicago public schools, and even if I didn't go to fancy schools, I always had fancy teachers. 
Well, and, and I, you talk about the teacher, you're the teacher's teacher, but I also just wanted to comment about, you know, the way that you grew up. I love that, uh, the story about the landlady <laughs> and how she used to, um, when she would <laughs> call the books in your house a whorehouse instead of a library. <laughs> Yeah, well, she didn't have a really great command of the language, I don't think, but uh, I, I think you really do have to make the most of what you have. Certainly classroom teachers know the meaning of that. They can make a Fendi bag out of a sow's ear, I think. Exactly, and that's exactly what you had to do. I mean, you had, in your first year there, you had this principal who was, he was so... So inept. I mean, he, it was like he just looked at all of you as if you should just be at his command, calling you at 11.30 at night. I love the way you got back at calling him at 3 in the morning because it was so important. Yes. <laughs> well, I think, Cynthia, one of the biggest surprises of my first year of teaching was was the grown-ups and the culture of no that was all over the school. Mm-hmm. I, I was surprised because I think at heart I'm a very positive person and teachers need that leeway to experiment and try new things. And I was surprised at how much the grown-ups stood in the way, even more than some of the management issues I was experiencing as a new teacher. Well, you know, another thing that was, I, I imagine it was more prevalent than we even would like to think when you called the one girl's mother in. You always started with a positive comment, which I think is so, so the way to work with kids. And then you would say where, what needed improvement, and the mother reacted like, well, I, you know, I beat her every six months, and I guess I have to step it up. <laughs> and that, uh, that was so shocking to me, but I think it's probably more prevalent than we even know. Well, I'm not sure if it's more prevalent or not. I hate to imagine what children go through, but I think that's why it's all the more important that schools be safe places and positive places and places where they can get the content they need to make the second half of their lives better than the first if the first half isn't going so well. One of the techniques I use that's described in the diary is a trouble basket where I met children at the door and they could pantomime unloading their problems before they entered the classroom. And I would offer the problems up at the end of the day, but I never had any takers. And it was just a symbolic gesture to say, to acknowledge that there may be difficulties at home and things that are distracting, but when we're at school and in the classroom, it's our time to work hard toward our better futures. It, which was such a positive, um, not only a, a positive tool, but the outcome that really resounded with the kids. The other thing I really loved the way you teach is that you made sure to greet each person individually every single day and to acknowledge them as a person as opposed to just as a group. Well, I think it's those little things that make such a difference. Just starting and ending the day with a good word uh, makes such a big difference. Saying, I don't know when you don't know instead of pretending you do know makes such a big difference. There are so many small things we model and so many things that make such a big difference in whether a child comes home and, and feels they had a nice day at school. And I really hope that this new guide that's been included in this reissue of the diary will be helpful for teachers and anyone who wants to be more positive in their dealings with children. And what SMA is talking about here, first of all, we're talking about the book Educating SMA, Diary of a Teacher's First Year. 
the uh, author is S.M.A. Codell, who the principal used to call you, what, Mrs. Cordell? He never, you couldn't even pronounce your name right. <laughs> but you have included advice for elementary teachers, which is just, it's a, a wonderful uh, toolkit to help not only new teachers, but people who have been there a long time, perhaps look at teaching in a different way and to encourage them to give their best, no matter what is happening in the government or what is happening in the school system, because the kids really do rely on the teachers, and they do look up to you if you treat them with respect. I, I think that that's very true, and I, I hope that... You know, the reason I included this new guide, Cynthia, was really because the most common question I've been asked since this book was originally published is, do you have any hints for new teachers? Mm -hmm. Only it usually sounds more like, do you have any hints for new teachers? Because it's very overwhelming when you set out. So I think that these hints are unique and pragmatic. And there's also a teacher shopping list. Yeah, I was just going to get to that. I I loved your shopping list because it doesn't have just all the normal things. You even had the popcorn in there. Well, you really have to have a pretty full pantry. And I don't think the general public necessarily appreciates that the public schools are subsidized by teachers. Teachers spend thousands and thousands of dollars out of pocket every year. And I really wanted this diary and all of the new things that have been attached to give a very realistic view of what going into the classroom is like so that these teachers... And you know what I thought was really great about your shopping list is this could also be something that maybe at the end of school years the teachers could put out to parents and say, you know, during the summer if you have any extras of any of these things, because even the change of clothes for a child, that's something that most teachers would not think about, that accidents happen, and maybe we should have a pair of sweats and an extra shirt so some, a child wouldn't be embarrassed during the school day. Well, what I mean, is wonderful. Just, little simple yeah. things are so great. I think that's a really great idea, and I really appreciate that you see the importance of those homeschool connections and reaching out in that way. Well, you know, I just got an email recently from a, um, a, a, a client that I coached and who is now in a school district who is it's an inner school and very poor, and she emailed out to people reaching out saying exactly what you're just saying is that our school has no supplies, and we don't need things that are new, but if you have anything laying around that you don't want, whether it's crayons or pencils or a pencil sharpener, we would love to have it. And I thought, this is such a great opportunity for people just to clean out their closets and donate to a school close to them, because I bet you most school districts and most schools and most teachers would appreciate anything like this in the classroom. Oh, yes, you use up so many things, things that you wouldn't normally think about, like paper plates and yarn, things you might have. Or even old wallpaper or anything that you could use for crafts. I mean, because teachers in general are very creative. (laughs) And the more different things that you can give them, the better that they can can, uh, educate the children and help the minds of the children. I wanted to get to your literacy advocacy because this is something that's very dear to your heart. And one of the things that you did in your teaching career is you created this time machine, and you also also originally started with your own library of books, so that you wouldn't have the kids wouldn't have to just stick to the textbooks that right. were, you know, 
ordained by the public school system. What a brilliant, brilliant thing to do is to bring in other books to enrich their minds. Well, I'm really glad that you brought that up because it really is the dearest thing to my heart. I really had a bit of an epiphany that happened actually while I was making potatoes au gratin. I was peeling potatoes, and I thought, there's so much you could do with a potato in a classroom. I could cut a potato in half and teach fractions. We could plant the eyes of the potato and measure the growth of the potato. If we grew enough potatoes, I could make potato stamps and teach the alphabet. It seemed endless. But I thought there's got to be something out there as versatile, as plentiful, as inexpensive as a potato potato. that can bring learning to everyone. And I, I realized it was children's trade books, the kind of books that we find at free libraries and at bookstores, and that so many of us, if we're fortunate, have laying around the house, uh, these, these are our best hope for equalizing education in America because a great book in the hands of a rich child is that same great book in the hands of a poor child once they know how to read. So with that in mind, I've created a number of resources to make anyone a supporting character in a child's reading life story. And a place to start might be my website, planetesme.com. And from there, there's a link to a blog where I recommend all the best brands, spanking new children's books available. I also have educatingesme.blogspot.com to support first-year teachers in their literature-based endeavors. And these are really wonderful websites, planetsma.com. There's just there's so many resources there, and I think it's really important that parents, librarians, guardians, anybody that works with children and wants to increase literacy and wants to really help people, uh, the young people succeed so that they can become adults who are successful would benefit greatly by going to your website and also reading this book, Educating SME, Diary of a Teacher's First Year. It's just, it just filled. Your book is just filled with uh, groundbreaking, ground-running basics and information that everybody can use, not just teachers. Thank you so much. And I really also am so gratified that the book is still around and this conversation about what works in the classroom is still ongoing. And I'm glad the book's been successful, but there's an awful lot of room on that bookshelf. I hope that teachers will also be inspired to share what works for them and get it in print. Well, and you know, and they can also contact you through your blog, et cetera, and then get the word going around. Yes, absolutely. And that's, I think, also very, very important. Well, tell us what you're working on at the moment, SMA. Well, actually, right now I went back to school full time to study library science because I have all these books and I need to catalog them. <laughs> I think this is awesome. Yeah, you know, I have uh, with the charity Be the Star You Are one of our volunteers. She's just adorable in high school, and she her favorite place in the world is the library, and she really knows every single librarian. I'm sure she's going to be a librarian, and she feels being surrounded by all these books just helps her be the best person she can be. So I love to see that young people are still enjoying the library, because what better place to be than surrounded by the works of literature throughout the ages? Well, I think there's 
there's no end to the adventure you can really have once you have a knowledge of children's books. And it's really one of the, the least acknowledged aspects of teacher training. It's sort of like sending a plumber out into the field without a wrench. Mm. Having just one class in children's literature isn't enough. And part of the work I've been doing over the past few years is I run a children's literary salon here in Chicago, and it's geared toward educating adults, not just necessarily parents, all about children's literature. We have amazing, nationally renowned children's book authors visiting. We have regular book talks. And I look forward, when I'm done with this degree, to initiating a program to encourage anyone to have a home salon and become acquainted with the background knowledge to make that succeed. Oh, this is such a great idea. Well, let's give out your website again so that people can get more information. The book is Educating SMA, Diary of a Teacher's First Year. You can understand and you've heard how dedicated SMA is to the literary works for children and just helping them be the best people they can be by reading. So the website's again, SMA? Uh, Planet Esme, P-L-A-N-E-T-E-S-M-E dot com. Or you can go to Educating Esme, E-S-M-E dot blogspot dot com. And either one will take you to the salons, to the book blogs, and to all things children's books. Oh, this is wonderful. And let me ask you one last question. Uh, do you still ask the children to call you Madam SMA? <laughs> they do it all on their own, and so do many grown-ups and now. I love it. I think that was the smartest thing that you did from day one, you know, and, and it sets you apart, and to be the unique, different person you are, what a role model you are for the young people as well as the teachers and teachers-to-be. Thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing your information, and sharing your book. And I just wish you all success in your future endeavors with your salons and, and all your literary endeavors and helping other people really love learning as much as you love teaching. Thank you so much, Cynthia. Keep shining like the star you are, and happy Thank reading and fun to all your listeners. It has been a pleasure. Again, the book, Educating SMA, SMA Codell, the last name spelled C-O-D-E-L-L. Go to planetsma.com, or of course you can go to her blog, as she also said. SMA, keep in touch and keep doing what you're doing. We have to spread the seeds of reading, and you are doing just that. Because, again, as we say here, to be a leader, you must be a reader. And I'm really excited to have met you. Thank you, Cynthia. All best. (laughs) When we come back from break, we are going to meet John Shores, and we're going to venture to the shores of Vietnam with Master Storyteller. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. We'll be back with Dragon House after these announcements. I'm Cynthia Bryan. Thanks again for listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. For more information about Be the Star You Are nonprofit corporation, please visit okay. Be the Star You Are. Is John on the line? That's Be the Hi, Star Cynthia. You Are. Hi, John. How are Join you? Good. How are you? I'm excellent. We'll be back here in just a second. Fantastic the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Dragon House.
Oh, good. Thanks so much for reading it. Oh, Did of course. You know I read every single page. Really don't fit in. Is there anything you actually wanted to talk about? have depressive reactions, eating disorders, higher rates of alcohol and drug abuse, criminal involvement, suicide attempts, and be involved with risky behaviors. You can help make a difference by sponsoring this radio program, Be The Star You Are. Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, positive media, and donates positive books to increase literacy. Call 877-944-STAR, S-T-A-R. For more information or visit our website at bethestarur.org. Also, you can make a PayPal donation at www.bethestarur.org. Thank you for helping our youth succeed. Are you wondering how to jumpstart your life while bringing more excitement and joy into every moment? Join the Goddess Gals, the mother-daughter dynamic duo, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany, each week on radio's favorite power hour, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. You'll hear from the experts and authors that inspire and motivate you to be your greatest, unique self. Plus, in Tea for Two, a mother-daughter brew, Cynthia and Heather tackle the topics and tips that make a difference. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on World Talk Radio, Studio. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll free at 1 866 613 1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to info at bethestarur.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you are. We are all here together. Thanks for staying tuned to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, where every week you listen to the voices of authors with praiseworthy books. And today's show is really dedicated to empowering our children, keeping them safe and helping them grow up to be fine individuals. And John Shores is one of those authors that is dedicating his life to helping others as well. He spent much of his life abroad. You may know him from his best-selling novel, Beneath a Marble Sky. His novels have been translated into 20 languages, but his newest book is called Dragon House. It is set in modern-day Vietnam, where we witness the scary and sad plight of street children. Welcome, John, to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Well, thank you, Cynthia, and thank you for having me. Well, when we hear the word Vietnam, if you're a baby boomer, first of all, I think the first thing people think of are the friends or loved ones who were killed in that full-scale, undeclared war that took the lives of five million people. You set your story there where the young generation uh, who are growing up now in Vietnam don't remember what you call the American War, yet the older generation are divided between those who either helped the Americans and loved them and or killed the Americans and still hate them. Let's talk, before we talk about your, your incredibly well-developed characters, what it was like for you to visit Vietnam and witness what it's like there today. 
Well, I've been lucky enough to go to Vietnam three separate times, uh, 1993, 1999, and then 2007. And when I went there in 1993, they just opened the country up to Americans, and I really didn't know what to expect. I, I didn't know if I would be frowned upon, spit at. I just had no idea. And almost exclusively, my the experience I had with that trip was, was very, very, very positive. Uh, people were excited to have me in the country and were very welcoming and gracious and wonderful and I, I was very I was pleasantly surprised by this experience it's not what I expected and it was during this first trip to Vietnam that I saw all of these street children uh, these wonderful kids who were out at all hours of night and day selling their fans and postcards and flowers and various trinkets to tourists to uh, basically survive and I, I, I started to get started to get really enamored with these street children that I think kind of planted the seed for the novel that would become Dragon House. Well, let's talk about these characters because I fell in love with with May and Min and, of course, with Tam and Key. Is that what you pronounce it, Key? Yeah, four for four. The, yes, and, and, of course, there were so many other street children, but the characters, they are, I'm sure they're an amalgam of, of people and kids that you met the thing about them is, is that they were abandoned and they were abused, and there were people like the evil Locke who, who decided that he owned them and would use them for their his own pleasure. In fact, chopping off the hand of uh, or the arm of Ming in order for him to be able to beg better. But these kids were not beggars; they wanted to give value for what they would receive. Right, what and was that's, it that's like to, well, to intermingle with these kids. It's amazing, because when you think of homeless children, the assumption is that they're going to be sitting on a corner begging, and it's just not the case in Vietnam. They are amazing little entrepreneurs. Uh, If it's raining, they're out selling postcards. If it's hot, I'm I'm sorry, they're out selling umbrellas. If it's hot, they're out selling Coca-Colas. And they're very bright and witty and hopeful and resilient and tenacious and and these they're just amazing kids and uh what inspires me most about them is they haven't kind of given up they don't agree that this is what their life is going to be like forever and they're basically out trying to 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 earn enough money to to buy clothes so that they can go to school and it's 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 sad but it's also uh triumphant in a way because they are triumphing over all this tragedy and and that's really at the core of what Dragon House is all about. Well, and their their goal, and this is what Dragon House shows, we're talking to John Shores, author of Dragon House, the new novel set in Vietnam, that really showcases the plight of street children in Vietnam and, and street children anywhere in the world, is that their real goal is to go to school and to be like other kids and to sleep in an actual bed and to have friends and to have some a family, somebody who loves them. But did you find that you have this character that is Locke, I mean, which was so reminiscent to me of, you know, Slumdog Millionaire, which I'm sure other people have made the comparison. Is, are there, are most of these kids, do they have these so-called protectors who are pretty bad guys? Well, oftentimes in, in Vietnam and really any country around the world, including the U.S., where you have homeless children, you have people that prey on them one way or the other. And in the case of Locke in Dragon House, he is the, quote, protector of a couple of the homeless kids in the book. And, and by that, he makes sure that nothing 
really, really awful happens to them. But he takes almost everything they earn from from selling their fans and postcards. And uh, he's certainly not a nice guy either. Well, and he's that, very that, that is the to case. them. He is, he is. Uh, but they are kind of picking between the lesser of two evils, and that's the choice that a lot of these kids make uh, to kind of partner with a guy like that, even though he is evil, uh, but he's not doing the extreme things that, that could happen to them in a different situation. So they choose the lesser of two evils, and that's kind of their reality. And in May and Min's case, they they secretly are saving a little money so that they can ultimately escape Locke, and that certainly comes into play later in the book. And run away. And that gets us to your main characters of Noah and Iris, who are opening this center for street children. And Noah is um, a, a, an Iraq vet, and Iris is the daughter of a Vietnam vet who has now passed on. Are there centers being opened like this? Are there many? I know that you're donating proceeds from the book to a charity. Tell us about that. Well, it's funny. So I had this. I was in Vietnam and had up three times and had all these experiences experiences with street children. And I got to thinking it'd be fun to write a novel about two Americans who go over to Vietnam for various reasons to try to help these street children. And and, and, and Noah, as you mentioned, is an Iraq War vet, and he's lost part of a leg in Iraq, and he has a lot of angst over the war. And Iris, her father, fought in the Vietnam War, and he's the one that started to try to open the center in, in Dragon House. So there are a lot of parallels there, obvious parallels between the Iraq War and the Vietnam War, and, and, and Noah kind of going through this process. Um, in terms of th- there are people with doing things like that over there, uh, and, and it's wonderful. And I have actually partnered with this group out of uh, Hanoi, operated by an Australian. And I'm donating some of the proceeds to Dragon House, to this organization that supports street children. And it's fun. Dragon House has only been out for a few weeks now. We've already raised enough money to buy sets of school books for 250 Vietnamese street kids. Oh, that's such great news. Yeah, it and, is. It's and neat. will the books, and, are these kind of books, are they giving them, giving them to the kids on the street, or do the kids come into the center to learn? They come into the center to learn. So oh, that's we, even bought, better. Yeah, yeah so it's, it's wonderful, and it's, it's neat to know that some real tangible good is coming out of the novel. And I've had many, many readers email me and actually ask uh, how they could donate, which is fun. And if any of your listeners are interested in learning more about Dragon House or the charity I'm supporting, they can go to my website, which is www.dragonhousebook.com. That's dragonhousebook.com, and there's quite a bit of info on there. There's a lot of info at the website, www.dragonhousebook.com. And it's, it's important. I mean, the story, I mean, is so compelling and so real, but to know that you can read the book and then actually get involved in some way to help these kids who are really struggling because now what has happened for what is so many are abandoned but what has happened to many of the parents do they just if the kids are sick they just leave them or if they're in poverty what was the kind of the main reason that you have experienced in your I know in both in 1993 and then and recently in 2007 when you visited why are well, a lot, on the street sure a, lo- a lot of the parents just are in, in extreme poverty, and they literally can't afford to keep the children, so they abandon them. Or else uh, the families have, they're very dysfunctional, maybe there's a drug problem, maybe a, a parent dies, 
And it's the same thing that happens in the U.S. And unfortunately, street children or homeless children in the U.S., it's a big problem as well. It's estimated that one out of three homeless in, in the U.S. Is, is a child. So we've got a real problem here as well. Here it tends to be a little bit more, uh, in some ways, unfortunate. It's, it's more out of sight, out of mind. Whereas Vietnam, the kids are right front and center, uh, really congregating where, where tourists gather. And uh, so you're a lot more aware of it in a place like Vietnam. But if, if, unfortunately, it's a huge problem here in the U.S. as well. And can people, what can people do here at home? Are there organizations that you're aware of that are helping these, the homeless kids here as well? There is, yes. And I've been trying to help this group. There's a great group called Stand Up for Kids. And it has offices in essentially every major city in the country. And they, they advocate for homeless children and, and help them. And again, it's Stand Up for Kids. So it's fun to, to interact with readers because people are, many people are wanting to help the Vietnamese kids. Other people are saying, what can I do to help out closer to home? And I, I refer them to Stand Up for Kids. And so, so Stand Up for Kids, or people can go to your website at dragonhousebook.com, and then they can find out how to help um, the, the kids in Vietnam as well. Exactly. Now, one of the things that you do with your books, you've, all, you've done this always with your books, is you invite readers to email you and because you really like doing interviews and you enjoy book clubs etc how is it going for dragon house well i, I when beneath the marble sky first came off came out a couple of years ago and, and took off on a kind of international level i just decided that i wanted to give something back to readers i felt like if people were going to go out and support me and my career i wanted to be supportive back so i actually put a letter in the back of the paperback inviting readers or book clubs to invite me to their evenings via speakerphone. I put my email address in there, and it had never really been done before. And uh, it was funny, one night Katie Couric did a story in it on the CBS Evening News, and I opened my email inbox the next day, and I had 800 emails from book clubs all over the, all over the country. <laughs> so I've spoken that was about, a little overwhelming, wasn't it? It took a little while to, to coordinate. Yes, indeed. And I've spoken to about 2,000 book clubs and since that day. And I'm still doing many, and I'm still doing many with Dragon House, and the book clubs tend to follow me from one book to the next. And it's been great, and I think readers have really enjoyed it, and I've gotten some wonderful feedback. Uh, Beneath the Marble Sky is a novel of the Taj Mahal, and people, fortunately, they love the book. I did hear back from a number of people who said it would have been a great to have a, a map in the book of India. And so with Dragon House, there's a map of Vietnam. Of Vietnam, so, which is really appreciated. So you're getting feedback that it helps you from one novel to the next novel. Absolutely, and it's wonderful. And, and I ask readers, I, I'm about to start working on my fifth novel, and I, I sent out a big email to all of my readers and said, would you prefer it to be set in this place or this place? And 90% of them told me they wanted it set in this one particular place in the Caribbean. So it's great feedback, and I definitely value it. Well, so in that way, you're really giving them what they want to read, But which, which piggybacks on you have really traveled the world and, and worked in other countries. Tell us a little bit about your travels and how that has really influenced your writing. Well, I was lucky enough after I graduated from college, I went straight to Japan to teach English and worked really hard there and saved up enough money that I was able to backpack around Asia for about a year on a very on a low low budget. But, but that's I, I the visited. best way to do it, don't you think? It is. Because you intermingle with the people, the real people. You're not a tourist. Exactly. No, I, I was meeting with, uh, staying in, in, in little hotels run by families and 
great interaction with the locals, and I was able to really kind of travel all over Asia, and then, and then so I've since traveled all over the world, and uh, my, my novels are all set overseas, and that's the kind of thing I enjoy writing. Well, it's because you know you know that so well, and you really, really have met the people, and I think it's opening up, I mean, it's become a small world after all, hasn't it? And when you write about this, I feel that we're all so interconnected, and you really showcase this in Dragon House with your characters, especially, I think, with we, what, what you had, um, how Noah was so angry and how Tin was able, with her wonderful singing and her kind heart, to bond together and show that we're not different. We're all, we're all people in one world, and our world right. is getting con- you know, continually smaller. Yes, and I think that's kind of one of the key messages in, in my books, and certainly in the case in Dragon House, and you're right, there are these Americans and Vietnamese mingling, and, and they're very, very similar people, and they, they have this kind of common goal to, to open the center for these street children, and it really is a very unifying moment in well, the book. And even, one of the characters even... in your book, Dragon House, is the policeman, Son, who fought against the Americans, he hates the Americans, he tells them to go home, but as he sees what Iris and Noah and Tin are doing, he literally decides he needs to help them. He gains such respect because it wasn't them that they fought. I mean, he realizes he has to move past the past and move forward with what um, the future can hold for the sake of the country and the children. And to me, he represented how the past and the future meet and how we can, we, when we change our thoughts, we can change the future. Right, and I think he's one of the key players in the whole book because for two-thirds of the book, he's a real thorn in Iris's side in yes. particular. But as the book evolves and their relationship evolves, he starts to connect with her and realize that she's out creating this good at her own expense, at her own risk. And he starts to almost feel kind of protective of her and so it really, it really, he really does a, a 180, and um, that, that was a fun, fun evolution to write. Well, let's give your website uh, once again, dragonhousebook.com. Our author is John Shores. This new novel set in Vietnam is Dragon House. And if you want more information on how you can help the, the street kids, the homeless kids in Vietnam, you can go to bdcf.org. Or if you'd like to help children in America, it's Stand Up for Kids. And uh, John is donating a portion of proceeds to these organizations to help with the homeless kids. And we're going to look forward to your next book, John. You, we, can't, we have no details at the moment, I guess. So I guess you'll just have to come back. I will indeed. Well, thanks for having me, Cynthia, and my Thank very you, best wishes to all of thanks your Thanks for writing a really wonderful book, and mostly for writing something that, although it's a novel, it's based in truth, and it really can support the children, and we really need to help the kids around the world. They are our future, and these are, we're such amazing, amazing characters. It's been an honor to have you on the show. Well, well thank you. The honor's mine, and best wishes to you. Thank you. Dragonhousebooks.com. John Shores, the author. Thank you so much, John, for being on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. You've been listening to Cynthia Bryan, and this is Star Style, Be the Star You Are, where we bring you the authors every week. 
Until we celebrate next week, go out into the world and shine and sparkle and be the best person you can be. For more information about the charity, please visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. We'll see you next week. I'm Cynthia Bryan. Thanks for joining me. Thanks again for listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. For more information about Be the Star You Are Nonprofit Corporation, please visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. That's BeTheStarYouAre.org. Join Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany again next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, here on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember, to be a leader, you must be a reader. Enjoy a stellar week. You're a seeker, a dreamer, with the courage to give.